0: That voice. <laughs> All right, coming in three, two. Hey, everyone! Welcome to another episode of Vinylism. I'm your host Adam Winchell, and tonight we have Chemo with us. What's going on, hey guys? Hello. How you feeling, man? Feeling
1: better after having COVID two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely gone. Got a hold of me for two days, the fever, but I'm I'm feeling better, much better now. Thankfully. Here. Glad to hear.
0: Uh, We'll also have Kenny with us tonight. What's going on, man? Hey, good evening.
1: Good to be here. Good to catch up with you guys again.
0: Glad to have you back. Um, Tonight, we're kind of going to do something we've never done before, so it's kind of exciting. We have a special guest who is going to talk to us about various processes and vinyl manufacturing and other things we'll get to. But without further ado, we have Scott Stratton with us from New Grumman Mastering, how you doing, man?
2: Hey, great, thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for coming,
2: Timo, um, I hope you don't do the long haul. It sounds like you had a, a short bump there, but you'll be all right. I, I hope,
1: yeah, it was a short one. Uh, I am medicated and back, so I'm good. Thank you, great. though. We're yeah, right cool.
0: Scott, why don't you tell us about uh, where you work, how you what you do? Like, kind of give us just an intro on. Sure.
2: Well, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, uh Bernie Grundman Mastering is one of the preeminent mastering studios in the world. Um we have a a studio, a suite of studios in Hollywood as well as a another facility in Tokyo. And uh it's a Grammy Award-winning studio. I uh, how many have they won now? I, I personally can't didn't win any, but the uh, people I work with are certainly well deserved. People like Bernie Grundman himself. Uh Mike Bosey got one for Childish Gambino recently. Uh, Brian Gardner, Pat Sullivan, and then I think uh, Chris Bellman. I, I I know he's been nominated. I don't know if he got a Grammy or not. But that's pretty much all the engineers. There's also Scott Sadio. He does a lot of the U2 stuff. So it's really high end. Uh, you know, clientele and but anybody that wants their Bernie Grundman's name on their product. Can come and get their material mastered with us.
0: Definitely, some of the background heroes behind, like the recordings people hear and are consuming, and that's great. I I know a few of those names, Bellman, of course, but uh, that's awesome. How did you end up working with, at the Bernie Grumman Studios?
2: Oh, well, I was in a band, and uh, one of the guys worked in the tape library, and he was promoted. And uh, so they needed a tape librarian, and I went and uh, interviewed and got the job. And that was in July, July twelfth of two thousand. I was hired. Wow! And I've been there all this time.
1: So what do you, and what are you doing it now? Yesterday was
2: Groundhog's Day. Incidentally, uh, I've lived in Los Angeles now for exactly twenty-three years and one day. Oh,
1: it goes fast, huh? And that's. <laughs> that's- <laughs>
2: It's a different town now than it was in '99. Yeah.
1: I bet for sure, for sure. I've been here my whole life, uh, so you know it's definitely uh, seen a lot of changes, for sure. So you started off as a tape librarian. What what's your role there now?
2: Well, it's funny. Uh, I'm still the tape librarian, uh, <laughs> but this is funny. I've been added. You know, they've given me more and more responsibility over the years and I've taken it all on and they've never relieved me of any of these responsibilities. (laughs) So I I wear a lot of hats and uh, it's great. I mean, the days are not dull, you know, there's plenty to do, Um, but the library is taking less of my time these days than it might have in the past. From being a librarian, the next step up is a proofer where it's like, instead of reading, you're not proof reading, you're proof listening. And they give you some skills to use. And we have the near field monitors, which accentuate the high end. So we're listening for ticks and pops and distortion. And also, uh, any, any, like if, if you've got a clean version, you're listening for dirty words or, uh, you know, making sure you do a lot of data entry for ISRC codes, UPC codes, making sure the artist's name is spelled correctly. You know, art artists have a lot of weird spellings for their songs and their names, and and that can get you into trouble sometimes with technology that doesn't always want to do what the artist wants. It's a lot of quality characters in the name, or something.
0: A lot of quality control stuff.
2: Yeah, oh, it is our yeah. QC department. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Nice. It's kind of cool
1: that, uh, they're, they're that there's using humans to do that rather yes. than just having some, you know, some software, you know, go through and take out every click and pop and whatever. Sure. You know?
2: Oh yeah. Cause sometimes, uh, that you want to leave some of that in, it depends on the producer or the artist, what they, what they want. Um, I worked on a Tom Petty album once where I just decided to, I was going to remove every tick and pop I can find on this thing. And, and, uh. The producer Ryan Ulate, he 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 heard it right away. He came back to me, he's like, Hey, what'd you do? And uh, so yeah, that was too you know, clean, like, too clean. I learned the hard <laughs> way that time, yeah. So, I mean, and uh, that's just a, uh, it's probably good to leave a lot of that stuff in, you know, it's all about the experience of listening, you know, yeah. you don't I want think, it to necessarily be too clean in some cases, yes.
1: I know, I like that, you know, with the way music is made these days, there's uh. You know, so much technology involved in things. And uh, I like hearing some of that's just it's life, you know, it's the natural act of playing music when you have musicians playing stuff. So
0: in a room, yeah, hopefully.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, do you know when they were you said that they've been around since the seventies, right? Is that when they started in Hollywood?
2: The for Bernie Grumman's mastering studio. Yeah. Uh well he started the studio in 83 and uh, before that he worked for a and Records as one of their in-house mastering engineers and before that he worked for contemporary the jazz label and he's gone way back he's, he was in the Air Force before that and he even uh, used to record jazz bands in I think it was in Phoenix when he was like a teenager. Wow. He even told me he opened a coffee shop and they had jazz artists would come through back in the 50s. Wow. But he's he's a real definitely a dedicated music. And he used to play drums. I guess he gave that up quite some time ago. But uh no, he's he's got a, a lot of all sorts of knowledge and he's a real technically oriented. Uh he he knows a lot of mechanical uh things. Um and he's, he's uh, unflappable, you know, nothing ever seems to bother him. He's really healthy, thank God, for everyone that works for him, you know. And uh, he's almost, uh, I always think of him as almost like a Jedi master, you know. He's, he's just a very even keeled guy. He's got, certainly has a sense of humor too. But he's a great guy to work for and, and he's considered a genius by many people.
0: And the amount of technical technological changes he's seen in that time, just in like the recording field, much less anything else. Especially, it's like it's got to be, and to keep up with it all is just commendable. Yeah, like
2: no, he shares a lot of stories. You know, it's it's great to be able to hear it from directly from the source. You know, a lot of these things that have happened to him, but he's got some great stories. Oh, he's yeah.
1: still in there. Uh, you know, he's still the ears and, and, you know, indeed, the en- yes. engineer on a lot of recordings.
2: He works five days a week. He's still doing it daily. Yes. And, uh, he's probably working as hard now almost as, as ever really because of the, the vinyl boom. It's just keeping us really busy over there. We have one room where we cut lacquers and there are four engineers that use that room and it's, a lot of the times when it's time for me to work, it's going to be, I'm going to be doing late nights because, you know, there's the Grammy wedding guys get the room first, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's more priority. priority.
1: (laughs) So how's that process work there too? Like with the, uh, you know, with the increase in vinyl and stuff Are you, uh, the guys, you know, doing multiple mixes essentially. I mean, uh, I know little bits about reading, right. That, that, usually want to master things a little bit differently when you're trying to, you know, make it ideal for the vinyl medium.
2: That's true. Yeah. Um, We'll do all sorts of different mediums, different mastering. Uh, We'll do DDPs, which is a file that's created digital file to create a a CD. And, you know, then we do vinyl, of course, and then we have other 1644 masters all the way, you know, the 24-192 24192 masters that can go for high definition for whatever the client needs, whatever the end user is gonna, whatever format it's gonna be put in, whatever platform it's put on. So there's a lot of different ways we can master things. And we you know MP3s even sometimes people want that. So whatever it is they need, we'll make it for them. But you do have to approach vinyl differently than a CD. On a CD, you can just basically create any sound you want and it'll play perfectly. But with vinyl, you've got a lot of limitations. There's physical limitations and the amount of time you can put on a side of a disc. And uh, when you get a lot of low-end stereo information, it just eats up the disc space. And then you've got to worry about how the high-end is tracking. We use a lot of... uh, not on every project, but the uh, uh, DSing comes into play quite a bit. So r- right around 4K, like the S sounds like that, they have a lot of energy and that sometimes won't track on a player. You know, We've got really high-end gear and we can play almost anything back perfectly, but we got to think about the consumer and how it's going to sound for them. So we'll we'll tamper down the s's on some of the projects and they can be extreme sometimes yeah siblings <laughs> yes sir
1: so when you're when you when you're in that uh lacquer cutting room are 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 people listening to that are are they is there like human ears involved the whole time uh, when sometimes being the, cut?
2: yeah sometimes the sessions are attended and that doesn't happen now in the in the pandemic era Uh, but uh, you know there's been plenty of times when a producer sits in with the cutting engineer and they just want to be there and be part of the process and express their concerns that they have or just to be sure that the quality is the way they want you know the more hands-on you are usually the better result you're going to get so hopefully we'll come back to more attended sessions but generally it's all done with uh, one guy in a room I'll be in there, all, you know, at all hours of the day alone, usually. We have two lathes in the in the room, but one of them is used for most of the stuff. It's like a s- solid state amplifier that can handle a lot of the power, like for rap and rock. And then the other lathe is used uh, for more jazz and classical, and it has a, a tube amplifier, which I think we're changing that over after a very long period. Uh, Bernie's decided that he's gonna change that amplifier out. Really? So I think we're just using the one lathe right now. And we are discussing putting the other lathe in a separate room so that two people could be cutting at once. Yeah, That would help a lot. And then you know, a lot of times uh, you're cutting more than one set of lacquers. Uh, when we send to Japan, there's one company that likes to have two of everything. So if, it, if one set of lacquers takes you two and a half hours, let's say, or it could be even longer. So then you're going to double the length of time for that particular project. And then the, somebody else might need the room. So that we're scheduling <laughs> everything, you know, Yeah. to accommodate everyone for time.
0: What exactly is a lacquer? How would you describe oh, that? Oh, that's a good question.
2: Uh, it's a aluminum disc. The substrate is aluminum and it's got the hole in the middle so you can put it on a on a turntable Um, but the ones that we cut on that we make the masters they're it's covered with a lacquer and we call them lacquers and i guess the, the lacquer is a really crucial product it's got all dozens of different ingredients and they're it's really i guess ecologically dangerous it's flammable you know then and uh it's it's uh some of the ingredients are controlled you know uh and so they they layer this and i've been to the uh the place where they used to make this out in banning unfortunately that place burned down but it, watching them make these things is fascinating and it, it runs through a conveyor belt and then they'll it's just like a almost like a frosting like they have like a a, a sort of curtain of lacquer as this thing will pass underneath the discs are on little pucks and on the conveyor belt and it passes through a curtain of lacquer and if everything goes right it gets a perfectly smooth even coat and then they have to let it dry and then they do the other side and there's a good side and a bad side they stamp the bad side they call it but technically you can use each side but they're selling you a lacquer that, that only needs to be used on one side. So if it has like a bubble on one side, you can use the other. Mm. Yeah. Does this That's end up kind of
0: being like the master,
2: like the, I don't
0: know, the, the kind of like the master pressing kind of thing you do? Oh yeah. So
2: then the lacquer that goes to the, uh, plating plant is actually 14 inches in diameter. So they need that extra inch around the edge so that it can be handled by the machines or, you know, they got to put a, when it gets to the plating plant, they wash it, they spray it off. There might be dust in the box or whatnot. Then they spray silver on it to make it electric so they can electroplate. Then they, they clamp, uh, it's a big heavy clamp thing that goes into a, a nickel plating bath and they, they run an an electrical charge through that bath. And then the nickel dissolves into the solution and it's attracted to the silver, that current that runs through. And so it's on a molecular level that the nickel gets plated onto the disc. Wow. And then they, they I think that's at least a 24 hour process, not certain, might be longer. And then they peel that off. It's a very thin layer of nickel, but nickel is, you know, is very hard. And that technically can be used to press. You could press with that, but you can only do a few hundred because it'll start to wear out. But a real finished lacquer, it goes. It goes from the lacquer to the the first electroplating. Then they they do a negative of that, which they electroplate that piece, and it gets stronger. That becomes called the mother. And then they elect them, but that now you're back to the in, grooves are be are the in are they in the disc, they're not protruding. You know, if you want to press the record, they need to be protruding, they need to have the negative of of what I create. Wow. So then they have to they have to do it one more time, and that's called the father. And that's that's the stamper. If I if I have that right, I hope I have that all right. But so then that's a really more robust. Piece of metal which is now a fifth generation of what I created wow. and it's been done this way forever <laughs> For I never just knew just about as long as yeah. records have been made that's how it's done I never knew there you, were that many steps to it it's that's crazy I'm
1: yeah me either do, do you notice is there a change in the audio quality oh that definitely. process I imagine there have to be right like so that the original lacquers that you cut sound more pure and
2: oh absolutely perfect yeah.
1: than what what gets actually pressed at the end Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And uh, we have some 12-inch lacquers that are used for references so that the client can hear uh, if they don't want to commit to the plant and all that involves, they might want to hear a reference. And so they do make 12-inch lacquers and those are going to sound better than any record you could buy. That's like just right off of our lathe. And they have to know that. I mean, there's, you get some loss of definition in the high end particularly and it's funny when you look at the grooves this it's almost like a wave file or something the really high end stuff is more sawtooth or you'll see like really fine uh you know modulations in the groove and then the low end is like a really big wide curvy s's and they take up a lot more space on the on the disc, and we do have microscopes attached to the lathe so we can take a look at what's going on. And that's also how we measure the groove depth. There's gradations in in the uh, microscope, and they're down to the thousandths of an inch. And we have to cut at least a two mil groove, two thousandths of an inch generally. You don't want it to get much lower than that. If it's really quiet music, it could go down to one mil, and that's pretty small. You don't want the needle jumping out, you know. And, yeah, you know, But the lacquer is only so. You know, you gotta you gotta make sure you're gonna get a nice cut that's gonna play properly, and and it needs to be deep enough for you know commercial players to. That's not gonna some high energy isn't gonna throw it off. It, it actually could happen. Really high energy. Throw sections up. yeah yeah and I've seen grooves that actually almost curve in on themselves that's really bizarre uh, behavior but and there was one Beck album where he had this really crazy um, electronic stuff going on and it just I, I showed it to Bernie and he, he just looked in the scope and he goes radical and for him to say that i mean that's something because he's seen it all you know right (laughs) Uh,
1: that's a lot of uh you know listening to all this i mean i i definitely uh heard some new things that i never heard before of the process i could see all the human elements and the time involved as uh we've all been hearing especially this this last six months and and, you know started before then but all these delays like i i must have like eight albums that i've pre-ordered from bands that i I follow that that are all delayed
2: oh it's everything (laughs) is behind schedule especially with the pandemic that has thrown everything in a disarray mm -hmm. um yeah so i mean I think if you need vinyl now, you need to be planning uh, four or five, six months in advance. Uh, And some places aren't even accepting lacquer. So we're finding some of the stuff that we're sending to plants that we've never even heard of over in Europe and stuff, just because they can accommodate what the other places are getting too much overflow. Yeah. So, but it's good that there's a lot of plants out there, but then you never know how good they are You know, there's some that are definitely better than others.
0: And we have a couple out here, I think.
2: There's quite a few, yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, we send a lot to, well, there's RTI is here. I think that's, is that Camarillo? Mm -hmm.
0: There's one in Camarillo. Yeah, there used to be
2: Rainbow. They they just, that guy just retired about two years ago that they were uh, in Camarillo. I think RTI is out there somewhere too. And then we sent to United Record Pressing. I think that's in Tennessee. there's uh other plants. can't remember where they all are, but there's a lot of stuff overseas. We send to Optimal in Germany. That's pretty much the best one. I've heard yeah. that and the, And there's a uh, Czech Republic has one called GZ mm-hmm. Gz. Media. yeah there's a also there's a plating plant out here called uh, Nipro Optics they don't do pressing but they they can do the plating and uh, they're a newer organization i think i've only known of them in the last six years or so but they they might have been around longer than that
1: we've been joking around that like we got to start up our own pressing plant because it seems like <laughs> there's White. so much demand yeah. that, you know yeah, they so weren't much even demand. making
2: they weren't even making the the presses for a while, I guess, and now there's somebody making them, and I think they cost a million dollars. Oh my gosh! So that that
0: could be wrong, but and the maintenance on them too, and you have to like maintain them. So, have, to have well, the on. old
2: the ones that are in use are now like a lot of them are like from the 50s, or you know, they they do break down. So there's yeah. a lot of anything can happen. You know, we had things break down. We have to get things fixed too occasionally. So it's equipment, (laughs) equipment. workhorses. Yeah.
0: That's great. Um, Is that uh, so? We talked about the lacquer process, super interesting. What else did you say it goes into like mastering? I I think the average person, when you use the word mastering, they just kind of like probably stare at you like they don't know what you mean. Oh, I'm glad
2: you brought that up because in the olden days, in the bad old days, mastering was making a record that was what mastering was you i guess bernie told me they still had guys that would they i guess that they would just the engineers would eq a tape and then the tape itself wouldn't be messed with and they and then they would just they would transfer directly from that tape to making the lp but then a little later than that then mastering became A lot of guys like Bernie, he started to EQ the tape and make it sound even better than what had been done to it. So I guess that's uh, where, you know, we we didn't have any other formats. There were just LPs and singles. That was what you mastered for. Uh, So now we've got different sources we talked about, that. you're going to hear it on a different platform. You know, we had cassettes and then CDs and, there was commercial reel-to-reel that still exists yep so there's a lot of formats but generally it's been the long playing record and the single but that that's that the process of, of of making the album It was involved mastering so it, it does have a lot of mysterious connotations a lot of people don't understand what it is and even me when i was younger i had a band we'd made a recording well it's done isn't it i mean like what what it's done but no you once you get mastering done you'll never not do it again you, you when you hear a really good mastering job it's like decorating the cake almost it's right
0: it's icing on the cake
2: yeah yeah
0: um to me i always kind of thought it was like making kind of a unified sound maybe between all the disparate tracks they might have different kind of characteristics in the mix or like you know it's it's kind of giving it a final sheen that Kind of like what you said. Well, it's- that's
2: true, especially if you're going to have like a greatest hits. And uh, Bernie's been doing some compilations for some Japanese artists lately, and he was having a hard time getting them all to match up, you know, because that, that's part of the job, certainly. Um, but also, there's so many different things that that we can manipulate. You know, we can resequence an album. We can change the fades. Uh, we can... Uh, Apply stereo EQ. We can put dsing We can compress. We can limit. Uh, a time off or yeah, yeah. We can do editing as well. You know, if you wanted, but a lot of times that's done by you know they send the radio edit already. Yeah. Cut by the time it gets to us. But we've done things where we reverse words or we do thing you know to make a clean version sometimes they need us to do that because they needed it yesterday it's always funny the people that need it right away it seems like we'll get it to them and then a week later they're changing it again and (laughs) we're (laughs) still working on it (laughs) it's a
0: creative process
2: yeah i had
0: a quick question and a quick thought kenny i sorry to interrupt you but like i've heard this before so like that People think vinyl is like the best way to hear something. I've heard it called like the closest thing you get to the master tape. But I've also heard that the mastering is the key thing that decides how good the end product is going to sound. The either whether it be a record, CD, what have you. Do you think CDs can sound just as good as records if they're mastered correctly, properly?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, Bernie's even told me he still thinks it's a good format and possibly the best. Uh, you know, if you're, it's only 16, but but uh the sampling yeah yeah, there's there's no background hiss there's no 60 cycle hopefully (laughs) on your stereo but at home but no it's it's definitely a good format and now it's kind of going away it seems like people aren't valuing them and a lot of people don't even own cd players now
0: i had to grab a dvd player recently just to have something to play CDs on living room
2: <laughs> but vinyl is sounding better than probably ever i know there's there have been really great recordings even in the 50s that sounded great and still do and still play well but uh we've got now great vinyl i mean some of it sounds just fantastic and the presses really? that we're getting like these you know 80 what are the 180 gram vinyl 200 gram vinyl those that's really a good way to listen you get more stability on you know the needle isn't hopping around so much like on some of these older thinner pressings
1: for sure so, i mean the, i think the technology and things uh you know it gets better i, I mean i you know uh, when when digital like obviously cds kind of took over in the 90s like early 90s late 80s when that first kicked off and uh and then like Recording, you know, home studios. My, I started off with home studios using tape, like old Tascam Porta one and Porta four. And I had its Tascam 688, which was, you know, super high tech at the time. Um, and then pro tools and logic <laughs> and all those things started coming out and uh, it's gotten better and better. You know, it used to piss me off all the, everybody wanted to listen to stuff with MP3s and most of the MP3s sounded like crap, but now, you know, they have even the, the MP3 algorithms and stuff getting better and better where people rip, you know, real high quality MP3s that sound great.
0: It really helps, but even the smaller bit rates now sound better with an MP3.
1: I think that's the thing with the CDs, you know, I mean, myself too, I got, I, I've got shelves stuffed full of all of my old CDs, but I have not pulled one of those things out in quite a while. Um, I have ripped a lot of them onto my computer now, so I don't have to pull out. I've still got
2: loads of CDs, and I do play them. I like the fact that uh, you can walk away for an hour and do things around the house. You don't have to turn the record over. and
0: yeah, The music's still but, playing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's just a convenient little thing. You know, give me convenience or give me death, but, uh, but I still predominantly play vinyl at home. That's, that's, I just always go to that first for some reason. As you should when you're at home <laughs> i can't do it as a car yeah. not for it i mean I, I just love the format and i i don't even care if it's in pristine condition i just like to he- be able to hear hear a record you know just because i just like records and they all the album covers you get the, the big art format and there's lots yeah. of you can't read the notes on a cd it seems and it's so small <laughs>
0: Or you don't even get notes with like a digital version. It's just like, oh, know, I know that's, that's,
2: that's really a crime. That, that's <laughs> yeah. really it's not, something that's been lost. That well, it's not you, the
1: same. They give you a digital file and you can download a PDF with the liner notes. And you're like, if they yeah. do that, yeah. yeah, yeah, they don't all do that. But the ones that do, you're like, you know, I, I could just go to a website and you don't feel like it's something special. True. Like when you have a record, you've got this in your hand, there's the tactile thing of pulling it out of the the sleeve and unpacking it, setting it on there, dropping the needle, like you're oh, yeah. you're engaged with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh,
0: hey, here's a good question. Uh, so this I think this is a problem back maybe 10 years ago or longer in some of the early days of the digital, like the digital formats and the mastering. But what do you think of like the loudness wars of like you know the Metallica. Yeah,
2: you know, in a way. That's sort of behind us, but in another way, it's coming around again again, a little bit. That um, we—I was having a conversation about this with with a couple of the engineers last week, and uh, I, Mike Bozy was telling me that like some of this, he doesn't master as loud as he could in a lot of cases because he says when it gets onto certain platforms, it just sounds small. You know, you, you don't have control over how it gets put out into the world. And uh, and I guess uh, some of these platforms they they have loudness meters and they they take a, a reading of a song, and then according to what that reading is, they may turn the song up or down, and that can result in clipping or or in your song not being as prominent as what was just played. Spotify does that, and, and they're not—they're not even compressing. Like in the in the radio, they compress their signal because they're not every album, not every song has the same level, mm-hmm. so that's part of what they have to do. But with the internet, it's—it's in it's, some of these platforms, they might not even be. Well, I guess Spotify is is obviously a big one, but they're not compressing; they're just changing the level, and that yeah, can it's like disaster. some sort of
1: like. Yeah, some sort of automatic like loudness adjustment, off. kind of normalizing. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It can, it can uh, be detrimental to how it was intended to be heard.
1: Yeah. Uh, it feels like some people, uh, I don't know, like, you know, some of us like are getting a little older. You always see the younger, y- younger generation of people like listening to the, you know, beats by Dre headphones and like you wonder, like, how pure the audio is, or if they even care, like how pure the audio is. Some of the people, you know, they just want to crank the bass up. Just got to have a lot of bass, a lot of bass, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Well, when you hear a good recording, you'll start to realize, you know, what you've been missing, you know, people that just live with earbuds only. I don't know how they can live in that world, but um, hopefully it's going to come around to where we can have, uh, you know, really good quality sound without having to compromise. You know, the music and it and it should be convenient. Like people need convenience. But
0: uh, with the loudness stuff, I remember, like Kenny, you remember this, Kimo? I, I'm sure all you guys do. Where like the stuff was crunchier in the early days of digital and early MP3s. It was very in your face and kind of hot. Not a lot of dynamics. But no. It seems like with the rise of people getting back into vinyl, I think there's a little more care being taken. At least that's what it seems like. Yeah. Stuff's just a little more even like some of the.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad playing. those days are behind us on, uh, when I do my mastering, I don't, I don't crush it that hard. You know, I like to hear the air in it usually, but so, you know, it depends on the, the type of music and what the client wants to. Right. You might, you might want that. Maybe sometimes somebody. sometimes they want it right up in your face. And, and yeah. that, sometimes it can work depending on what it is.
1: I think it's some of the, uh, the just the evolution of, of the way things work that, you know, w- when CDs first came out, they were cleaner than than your old cassette tapes and that whole, you know, tape compression, tape distortion and things. Uh, and so some people thought, wow, this sounds kind of weird because it was so clean. They weren't used to hearing it that way. And then people just take the technology and like, know hey like we can slam this up and make it as hot as possible just because we can you Mm -hmm. know and then it's like on radio making it sound as as you know so it just pops off the speakers when you're you know listening to the radio i think now uh like like you were saying adam with the vinyl i I think a lot of people are sort of going back you know like things gotten over digitized and like people at least some people like us, you know, like to hear musicians playing. It doesn't have to be perfect. Sound like robots made it, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to hear something real. That's just, you feel the music. And uh, so like having the air and space and sense of things like that, rather than just crushed, you know, loud, you know, dense.
2: Yeah. You can hear the difference Yeah, Somebody, a friend of mine just sent me a link to a band. They were like kind of a, one of these retro bands that are very much in a Led Zeppelin Black Sabbath kind of vein, but you could tell that this was probably done live in a room, you know, the drums filled the sound and it, but you know, it wasn't like up in your face, but it just had a, a for me it was pleasing, you know, that, that it just sounded authentic and lively. Yeah. And there wasn't anything artificial about it other than the fact that the it's electrified and you know, but it, it was, it was nice to hear that. And, I, and there are people that that's the way they want to do things, but you know, there's so many different ways to skin a cat. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, just looking at our list of things we wanted to make sure we asked you, uh, do you have any favorite projects? I think you you hit on some stuff that you've mentioned that you've worked on. Is there anything you consider like some of your favorite stuff or
2: Well, uh, there was one artist uh, that I cut some vinyl for him. Uh, I've forgotten this guy's name, Ben something, but he has a band. It's basically, it's him, but it's called The Crash Tones. And his album is Revenge of the Crash Tones. And I really liked that album. That was probably my favorite thing I worked on. What was it? 2018, probably. And uh, it's very Faith No More kind of like in the sense that no two songs are the same and he can do a lot of different things with his voice to great effect and he played every instrument but drums and uh that that was a really cool one so people should look that up i'd be interested in checking that out crash tones yeah
0: revenge of the crash tones you said yeah that's
2: the album right on that's uh, one thing that's really stood out for me in the last few years and there's there's always something that I'll find myself liking and then I can't remember what it was later. You know, it's like what did I have for lunch last week? <laughs> Cuz I'm doing this all the time. And there was even one artist that I wanted to mention and I can't remember who they were. I was I looked into it. There was a Japanese fusion band who they they they're not like earth-shattering, but I liked them. And I can't remember <laughs> what they're called, but they have I think they're from the 80s and they had several albums that I never even knew the Japanese did fusion, but this was kind of cool. We all and kinds music. of different stuff coming through, man.
0: All kinds of music. Yeah. yeah. Who put this question on say, the list? Por- did-
1: Fortunately, the music hasn't stopped, man. I mean, the pandemic shut down a lot of things, but musicians still want to create. Yeah. Well, still- I can tell you
2: also uh, this is back to my favorite stuff. I, I like um, Post Malone and I've cut all of his albums and i and Kendrick Lamar too. I've cut all of his, as far as I know, all their vinyl, I think I've done. nice. And that, that's uh, real cool. To, it's real fun to work on those. And uh, especially Post, I, I just thought he's a fresh sound and it's interesting to, to hear it, you know, in, in the best possible surroundings in that, studio suite you know it just
0: pumps right
2: sounds great i wish i could remember more artists <laughs> that i that i that stood out
0: i have a question on here did you work on failure's fantastic planet
2: i met ken andrews when he came in to he was working with chris bellman on that then they recut that it must have been about five or six years ago mm-hmm. or maybe it, was great. Quite, it might have been a few years earlier than that but it was, it was probably I don't know what year that was when the first was,
1: the the reissue pressing of fantastic planet was i think around five years ago yeah, there, yeah. Hey,
2: i had him sign all my failure cds he was cool <laughs> and then i know uh, auto Lux. i cut uh, one of their albums and greg edwards was in the studio with the band for that That's awesome i wow. saw them play too i think they opened for white stripes at the greek years and years ago
0: great live band yeah Wow. Favorites of us here at the podcast. Oh, anything cool. Greg and Ken pretty much do.
2: Oh, yeah. They're great.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I wasn't sure if that was something you had worked on, but I didn't think about the. the re- I did uh, re-cut. sit
2: in while they were doing some of it. I just sat for a minute and got him to sign the CDs. And yeah, I took an interest in what was going on. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. The first album, I remember I worked with uh, Brian Gardner. He was the guy that kind of got me started on learning to cut vinyl was uh, the very first thing I worked on with him was uh, Gwen Stefani's first solo record was Angel Music, Baby. Remember that one? It had had, uh, the
0: Hollerback Girl. The Hollerback Girl, yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And it was a picture disc. And and the only reason I know that is because it was on the paperwork. We didn't. There's nothing different to do to make a picture disc. It's that it's at the, that happens later, you know, they, at the plant, but uh, uh, that was the first thing that I worked on was that I guess that was
1: 2001. This made me think of something. I I don't know if since, you know, you're not directly involved in that part of it. um, Do you, do you think there uh, there's a difference in audio quality for colored wax all, all the crazy colored stuff versus the classic black
2: i've heard that there is a difference and i've never actually a bead anything like that but it would make sense because it is an important part of you know the if you don't have the right pellets if they, there might be grainy sounds you know what i mean it, the those colored ones might not go through the vetting process let's say or i don't know how you describe it but I, I know on the clear the clear plastic too, that's another issue where I just don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can even answer the question. That would be something that would be interesting to test in a listening environment. Yeah,
0: I've heard that it's gotten better, that the quality of the, the colored stuff. And that seems to be my experience is that they're pretty good for the most part. I don't think I have any horrible sounding. Probably
2: rules. more crucial than that is just who's pressing it. Yeah. And where, and yeah, yeah, that's probably more, that more important.
0: Well, I mean, that made me think of something else I wanted to ask is what do you think of the quality of picture discs themselves? Do you think that that's like, they're not notoriously like how it's supposed to have bad sound. I have a few that are kind of.
2: <laughs> yeah. That might've just <laughs> down sound. to the plant again, because it might cost a lot more to produce those kind of things. And maybe they cut corners. That's just a guess. I
1: thought I thought it may, or at least reading that it had something to do with that uh the medium didn't have the depth. They couldn't do the they couldn't press the grooves as deep because it's a thinner layer on top of the picture. Hmm. I don't know I don't, it, know. I don't know if that's crap or what. I thought I read that somewhere.
2: That that's uh, something to consider. Something to yeah. think about. But it depends on the music too, you know. And but we're talking about the thousandths of an inch here too, so I don't know if how much. Uh, yeah. I really don't yeah. know.
0: Yeah, It's just another cool gimmick, just like the different colored vinyl itself. And yeah. I mean, it's you know, gimmick- it's, it's cool. cool. Yeah, it's it. kind of cool. I mean, yeah, it's like- you get
2: bowling yeah. ball colors. Even more. I love <laughs> it, man.
1: Yeah, when it it matches with the artwork of the album and yeah. stuff, like, uh, you know, it just kind of. Uh, adds that extra element to Oh, and
2: package. now they're doing etchings they do the laser etchings like a, they'll have a three-sided album right on side mm-hmm. four they'll uh, do a yeah <laughs> i've got a tom petty like that and i've seen uh, some uh mars volta that was like that mm. i think mastodon did one
0: the allison chains jar of flies and sap the flip side of the sap ep was it, etch- etching oh very Alice nice in Chains That's logo cool yeah thing it's only like the four or five songs on the on the front which is yeah it's a great great record sound and we
2: don't we don't do that we don't have lasers
0: (laughs) that's a little more yeah kind of advanced that's for someone else to take care of
2: yeah nice but you can press that if you can get put it anything on a disc i imagine you can get it made you know
0: nice is uh Is there anything else we didn't cover? I think, and uh, this is like obviously kind of a crash course in what you do. I'm sure there's way more to it than this. But uh, do you guys have anything else for Scott? can think of, I pretty much hit stuff on our.
2: Yeah, we sure there were things that I could have embellished more. You know, we kind of it's a kind of a crash course here, but
0: definitely. That's a good like great overview of like what's happening behind the scenes. I think a lot of people don't even probably think about too much, but.
2: Oh yeah, there's so much going on in the music world. Uh, well, like I I did mention in passing, out uh, in Banning was where they used to make these lacquers, and uh, the only that they burned down. <laughs> that was really bad. So th- there's only one company in Japan now that makes lacquers in the world. Wow, and that that's very concerning. But they're that, making quality product. It's they're making really great lacquers. Was that
1: pretty consistent. recently that that fire? Because I thought I, I was browsing through or something, uh, place that, that had a fire in like like maybe just a year or two ago.
2: It was probably about three years ago. Yeah, it was uh, right. it was the uh, Transco product. Well, they did Transco and uh, the audio disc. There were two different uh brands under that roof one of them used to be in new york and then they bought them out and then so they when i was ordering in the library years ago i used to have to order from the different cities to get these different lacquers and we'd always try to keep stock of both because sometimes the quality would go up or down and you gotta have an option so then they went under one roof and uh and that, like that stuff, is flammable. Something happened out there. It's, I saw photos of it. It was just this black pillar of smoke.
1: Wow, <laughs> It's turned into one big black vinyl, like a, oh. a block-sized yeah, vinyl it's a disc. Tragedy. <laughs>
2: yeah. And then they they also produced the uh, ruby cutting tools that we use to to cut the lacquers. That, that's and then there's a. a the, the chip that comes off that creates the the groove is, it doesn't just plow through the thing, you know, that we have to remove, there's a suction tube that removes that chip that comes off the lacquer. So, but then that tool that creates that cut was made in that place that we used, and we use scully lathes. Everyone else uses the Neumann lathes. So we were one of the only cutting plants that, even ordered these things and we couldn't get them for a while thank god we had enough to get us through till we could change over and now there's some other companies that that make these uh, they make these diamond cutting tools now and they cut really cleanly
0: what was the difference between the two you were just talking about like the ones you use versus the other ones what's the for the cutting
2: tools or for the lacquers
0: uh, for the, the cutting tools
2: Uh um, well the ones we used to get were uh, an artificial ruby and they had to be made by somebody over there. And I don't know how that process worked, but I would often order half a dozen and they'd send two or three, you know, and we would, (laughs) and we keep track of how much time these have been in the lathe. So they they do wear out, you know, it's
0: like a stylus kind of.
2: Yeah. But now um, the diamond one that we use is, it, it can be used for a year, probably. They're a much harder nice, material. Yeah. It's not as soft as the Ruby. And the lacquer that you cut in, it's it's relatively soft. Like, you, your fingernail could easily in, make a dent, you know, on on It's not real hard. Like, when you th- think the word lacquer, you think of, like, on a guitar or something, hard coating, but it's not. It's very, it's it's malleable. Delicate. Yeah. And we don't play the, the lacquers that we cut that go out. That we don't, even if you just dropped a needle, that could damage it. You know, we, they go out pristine. But we do test yeah. cutting. If there's an area that we're concerned about, we'll run and give it a dry run, listen to it as it's cutting, and then maybe play back a problem area and look at under the scope how the grooves are.
0: You know, I had this process explained to me of what it's actually doing. I still just can't really understand where there's a waveform cut, a tiny waveform cut in the grooves of a record. it's like being like transducence, right? It's like the
2: process where it's being- Yeah, it's still done the way that Thomas Edison did it. It's basically the same process. Same technology. We have computers now that help us get more, more uh, time on a side. That yeah. the the grooves I'll, kind of spoon together like we can fit them together really tightly if we have to
1: all all music reproduction kind of mystifies me when i think about it, it it's like it it boggles my mind that like a speaker cone can just by its vibrations, vibrations can reproduce that whole spectrum of sound that it yeah. creates it's it's still like it's fascinating this, and, yeah, the, it and that's mind.
2: that's what happens when we're cutting on these discs, that there's a cutting head that has it's getting stereo information, and it it allows the this cutting tool to move in all manner of ways to create these vibrations, transfer this this information to a, a physical medium. And I just just still can't figure out why it works.
0: It's like generally flawless <laughs> too. I mean, in it's a way that's like.
2: Yeah, it is fascinating. It's like
0: you still have to have the ears. You have to have the ears to hear it. Like you have to have have the ears to hear the vibrating speaker. Yeah, yeah. Like we're a big part of that too. So it's kind of it's really interesting how that all works together. You should
2: come by the studio sometime. I'll show you how it works. That would be amazing. I can. uh, That'd be awesome. I I couldn't uh, finish this interview without having one uh, question for you. How many grooves are on the side of a record?
0: <laughs> is this like how many licks it <laughs> takes to get to the center of a tutorial? T- yeah,
2: what it? do you think?
1: <laughs> oh man, is it a trick question? It's one endless groove. It's you guys talking it. about the rings. One. one.
2: The answer is one. <laughs>
1: Look at the big brain on
0: Kenny.
2: <laughs> That's correct. Good, good guy there.
1: Nice.
0: That's what we should have called our show The Endless Groove. That sounds like oh, something. Oh man, that'd be good. That sounds like something we batted around. (laughs) We probably didn't know we would we wouldn't have known that so at the time maybe, but uh, well done, (laughs) uh, Scott. It was so awesome having you on. I hope we can have you back sometime just to like talk final. That'd be amazing. My pleasure. Yeah, we might
2: be able to go deeper or into other areas. Uh, There's, like I said, I wear a lot of hats over there. Um, There's a lot I could discuss. There's lots of so many different things we could talk about with music in general too. So definitely Appreciate well
0: it. we want to hear about it so. Pretty awesome yeah sure scott thanks for coming on everyone guys thanks for listening and uh we'll catch you next time terrific see you everyone